Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio. I'm the Gypsy Poet, and this evening, we've got an amazing guest who I like to call the Master of Mastery. He is not only a recording artist, but he also enjoys doing work in the recording studio, and he does a lot of magic for people who not only enjoy music themselves, but also put out music for the world to hear. Please welcome the one, the only, and the absolutely fascinating Jukebox. Hey, how you doing out there, Jukebox? I'm doing wonderful, Sophia, and thank you so much for having me on the show this weekend. Oh, it's my pleasure. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm doing I'm doing fine. I'm enjoying the the moonlight down here in San Antonio, Texas. It's been a blast watching the full moon these last few days. It's beautiful. Um, and I wanted to get to some questions here because you are one of the most fascinating characters that I have met so far in social media. Um, you've been in the music. <laughs> well, you've been in the music industry a long time, and I, I have to know this first question: What is your favorite entity, live on stage or recording? Oh wow! Um, I can't say that I have a favorite because they're just they're so different yet still related. Live performances are the true lifeblood of any artist. And that direct connection to people who are listening to the music, you know, when you're playing a live show. Whereas mm-hmm. in the recording studio, you, you come up with an idea that becomes a concept, which eventually turns into a moment in time that's captured on tape or digitally these days. I love them mm-hmm. both equally, but I got to tell you, performing does have the edge because of that, that intimacy that you have with the audience. It doesn't matter if you're playing for one or, or 60,000 people. Great answer. Wow. Um, I know that you've lived in various different places, um, especially in the U.S. alone, but I want to know where you're from originally. Well, I was born just outside of Boston. Um, I grew up for a couple of years in Rochester, New York, and then my family moved up to Toronto when I was very young. I didn't have a choice, and I was naturalized Canadian, so I'm a dual national. I'm also a veteran of the U.S. Army from 81 to 83 back in those days. Um, But I left Canada at the age of 15. I went to L.A. with a band. We thought we were going to change the world in the music business. (laughs) So, But I'm currently here in Toronto, between Toronto and Phoenix, because I have a couple of different jobs and I have to be in various places at different times but I'm currently talking to you from Toronto Mm -hmm. very interesting Um, uh, there is a question I did want to throw in Uh, first of all I want to know what you love about songwriting well myself I, I primarily write story songs um, because I love having just a limited space to tell the whole story and that your selection of your words, the crafting and the placement of each word always has been a part of my passion in music that I write. And I write a lot of songs, but they're all stories and I call them story songs. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, have the places that you traveled inspired any of your songs? That's the question I wanted to throw in. Well, absolutely. I mean, the fact that that um, in reality, I get paid to just travel the world and be an observer and write about the things that I see. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even Woody Allen said that 99% of life is just showing up. So you never know what's going to happen. If, you, if you're somewhere, then you have the opportunity to view something and then maybe write about it. If, you're done, if you don't go anywhere, you don't do anything, what are you going to write about? Oh, exactly. Uh, you're right about that. And speaking of which, uh, since you've even mentioned Woody Allen, I want to know who is your inspiration in music or outside of music? Wow, that's uh you know, I've had so many inspirations, both musically and otherwise. I really couldn't mm-hmm. nail down this question if you gave me a huge hammer and large headed nails. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I was I was very fortunate. Uh we were my family my parents made sure that us children were very cultured, had a very cultured upbringing. And for that, I owe them a debt of gratitude to my parents. I like that answer. That's a wonderful answer. Um, was it even through them that you realized that music is your calling? Or I should ask, when did you realize that music was your calling? Well, it might sound unbelievable, but I believe it was, I was about seven years old. Um, I had made, there's, there's a picture floating around in my family somewhere of me at seven years old with long hair, and I had made a guitar out of wood and the elastic bands, and I'm standing on my bed in my in my flannel pajamas, um, you know, with long hair and a guitar on, and so I, I think I I've known since about seven that I wanted to be an entertainer and I wanted to play music for people and, and travel the world and, and let that be my, let that be my epitaph. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, how did you get introduced to music? Well, you know, I grew up in the sixties, Sophia. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it wasn't hard to be exposed to great diverse music of the period. I mean, we had yeah. we had everybody. On top of that, I had two older siblings, one which was seven years older than me and one that was just about two and a half years older. Um, and the first concert I went to without my parents, I went with my brother and my sister and there's, there's some other friends. I saw the Beatles in 1966, Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, Canada. Um, 13th row floors on my older brother Joe's shoulders. Uh, I saw the Beatles, but I didn't hear them. Everybody, the, the girls were screaming too loud. And I, I was only four, four and a half, but I remember the whole show. I remember the whole experience. Wow, that's pretty awesome. And um, how did that make you feel? Well, I didn't really know what to feel. I just knew that there was something in me that said, that's what I want to do. You know, I want, I want all these people to be screaming after me. So whatever they're doing, I think I want to try to do that. So maybe the seed was placed when I was four and a half and I didn't really start doing anything uh, until I was about seven where I used to 
do concerts in my basement to a variety of, I'd put an artist album on and I would sing to the carpet and to the walls and put a show on for them at seven, eight, nine years old. Wow. It's, it's pretty phenomenal to know that you wanted to do music from the time you were that young. You know, it wasn't that I just wanted to. I just, I think it was a calling and I didn't really have a choice. It was just, uh, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And um, and here I am 40-odd years later, and I'm still doing the same things. Understood, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, writing music, performing, uh, helping musicians, that's a very big part of what I do is, is uh, a lot of development deals, getting musicians ready, getting them signed to major labels. It's, uh, it's all part of my passion. And 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 you live it well. <laughs> I I will guarantee you that you do. You absolutely do. Um, genres of music. I know that you work with almost every kind of genre under the sun. From from what I've seen in your your record and everything that I've researched about you. And I want to know: Is there a particular genre that you like best? Oh wow, that's a Sophia. That's a great question. Uh, let me break it down into a couple of different things. As a singer-songwriter, I prefer songs that tell a story, whether they're yeah. my own tunes or someone else's <clears throat> uh, that I might be working on. I do prefer acoustic-based scenario songs, but then mm-hmm. as a long-term quote-unquote studio rat, I work with any and all type of genres, and I don't really have a preference regardless of whether I'm producing or I'm doing session work or I'm engineering or as a mastering engineer, which in the long run is what I've been trained to do by several incredible mastering engineers. Shout out to Steve Carr at Hit and Run Recording Studios. Um, So people saw something in me years and years and decades ago, took me under their wings, and I have in turn also passed on the knowledge to up-and-coming aspiring people in recording studios and otherwise. Oh, so wow. I guess there isn't really a genre. For me, the music is a genre unto itself. Yes, understood, yes. So now we're going to get to a bigger question, and this one I, I would assume and I would hope would take up some of the time here. Um, uh, are there any bands that you've had the joy of meeting and working with? If so, what are they? Or who are they? Well, you know, I'm... <clears throat> I've been 40 plus years in the music industry. There's way too many to li- to list, um, and I've never been a name dropper. Anyways, I find it a bit gauche. Uh, and on top of that, I have a stack of NDAs that keep me from mentioning certain people, places, songs. Uh, that's life in the business of music and the cost of doing business today. I can tell you that uh, I've I. I know the Rembrandts. I've met them personally. I, I know uh, Metallica. Um, I've been on side stage for for a Chicago concert in Amsterdam. I mean, the list is just so long. I, I really, I, I could take up all the space, but I would be taking up too much space. <laughs> I do want to promote somebody that uh, that just shared our our link over here. Fingers and sunshine. I am very proud of this band. Their their frontman Ron McKibben, you've got to be proud of him. I absolutely love him. 
What is the story behind well, Fingers and Sunshine? Well, I got to tell you, full disclosure, uh, yep. I'm Fingers and Sunshine's band manager, so I, I want to say a shout out to the the lads in Fingers and Sunshine. Hello, Ron. Hello, Dave. Mm-hmm. Hello, Larry. Hi, guys. Hello, Chris. Miss April and Miss Shelley. I also want to give a shout out to my my best friend in the world. We've been friends for I think this year is 50 years. Uh, Z wow. in California. Hey, dude. We've been in a few bands together. We had a band called The Freaks in Germany quite a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But Fingers of Sunshine is um, a wonderful band. They're, they were just released on Rock Avenue Records USA, which I'm also now an A&R rep for Canada for. Um, we're just waiting for all the uploads to go through. It's a worldwide um, major label deal. And uh, mm-hmm. I know there's only good things going to come from it because these guys are, first of all, they got great music. Um, yeah. They they're hardworking guys, and they're just all around great people. Yes, absolutely. I've I've had the pleasure of knowing them, and and talking with them on uh, on Messenger as well. They are an amazing, amazing uh, group of guys, and uh, and Ron. Kudos to you! Thank you so much for for promoting the show. So I just had to give a, a shout out to to Ron out there. Thank you so much for that. Um, let's see. Among other things, okay. Let's see. So you are known as Jukebox to so many people. Could you explain the story behind that? That there's a I think there's a there's a gem there. Um. Yeah, well, that's see. Even the even the phones are binging off the hook. Um, <laughs> jukebox. Well, uh, first I can tell you, my mother did not name me Jukebox. Let's just get that out of right. the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I created a show about 35 years ago. It was an all. It was a a one man all request variety show called The Jukebox Guy. And what I used to do is I would put a list of 400 songs out on all the tables, uh, 400 songs on two sides of one page with the letters large enough that could be read in a dark club. And I put it on the tables and the bar and the floor of the venue. And I would let the audience pick the show all night long uh, with no lyric sheets or sheet music. And for every one song on the list, there were 10 more in my head. Um and I guess at some point, people just started calling me Jukebox as opposed to, you know, my name. And, uh-huh. you know, I'm guilty of the same thing because, I you know, I, I've traveled the world and played a lot of venues. And I, in turn, would usually remember people when I was touring by the request that they came in and not their actual names. So it was like, oh, hey, how you doing, Hotel California? Hey, Mrs. Robinson. Uh, so... People started calling me Jukebox, and eventually I succumbed and started calling myself Jukebox, and I like the uniqueness of it, and quite frankly, I am the Jukebox guy, and my brand Mm -hmm. is Jukebox. Yes, very much so. And um, I also have a little moniker for you, too. I call you the Master of Mastery. (laughs) I um, saw that. Yes, yes. There's thank a reason you so, for that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you, you know, well, as you a are. mastering engineer, as a mastering mm-hmm. engineer, 
people think that mastering engineers or mastering a song that they can do it at home or they can do it, you know, they can use now they have electronic uh, AI mastering, but it, these mastering, they miss the mark. The first three things that you learn when you're training to be a mastering engineer is the, the, the first thing is intent. So you have mm-hmm. to go at a song with what, what, what's your intent for this song? Because what you're doing is you're taking, as a mastering engineer, you're taking the mix that comes from the studio and you're putting it onto the master that's going to manufacture CDs or albums or, or whatever the, the physical content that's going to be. So you have to make sure that, first of all, it sounds good on both a CD and an album or a um, uh, even a cassette or a dat tape or a, a, a DVD. On top of that, a mastering engineer is you have to make sure that it sounds good on different platforms. For example, a home stereo and a car stereo. And then now we've got cell phones. So you want to make sure that it sounds good on a cell phone that's without earbuds or headphones. You want to make sure that it sounds good with headphones. You want to make sure it sounds good with earbuds. So I think right. people take mastering engineers a little bit for granted. They don't realize what they do, but it is the the highest paid discipline in the music uh, engineering field because it is it's a completely different discipline than even recording uh, as an audio engineer. It's yes. something completely different. Um, yes. And you know, I personally, I've been very fortunate. Um, I go into every song with the intent. Of course, I've got the equipment and I have the environment and I usually come up with something that sounds great in the end. And I'm very fortunate for having some wonderful tutors in my past. Yes, understood. And um, there is a question I I did want to throw in. Um, When it comes down to... um, um, there is a particular kind of um, uh, um, of entity that I that I've heard about uh, throughout my, um, th- uh, throughout my journey in the in the music business. I, I know this is an old term, but I'm wondering if it still exists today. It's called Balak Sound, and I wanted to know if you knew anything about that. Well, not as much as you would expect me to. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the sound for me is, it's, it's a very complicated thing. And yeah. I have a wonderful relationship with sound because, you know, as an audio engineer, you're really, you're counting, you have to learn how to count to four and you're guiding as a music producer and an audio engineer, you're guiding the recording onto a tape or a digital format. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, it's, it's, it's important that you have, like a lot of people will self-produce themselves, whereas I don't mm-hmm. believe that should be done because I think what should happen is people should actually, um, you, you need, you need an objective opinion. So a producer that's not in the band, who's not, who hasn't written the song or arranged it, and you need that, that third party to step in. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm not quite sure if I answered your question. Uh, the, the term that you gave me, the ballad sound, mm-hmm. uh, I'm familiar with it, but I could not nail it down if I had to. 
Okay, understood. Uh, yeah, it was just something that um, th that I came across in, in my research of uh, of the re of the history of recording, and so I just wanted to know if you had uh, if you had some idea of it, and so I wanted to I wanted to throw that in there because um, it, it's um, it, it just left an impression when I was when when I was doing my research. So I feel like I had to ask that. Um, if anything, um, I know that we have access to certain kinds of um, um, cer uh, certain kinds of uh, applications and machinery. Like today, for example, one one of the most popular, the one that I use is GarageBand, and I I do see uh, that this is an amazing application because it does create crystal clear sound. Um, I was wondering, do you recommend that for uh, for aspiring uh, uh, musicians or aspiring songwriters? I do. I, I actually recommend GarageBand is a good one. I recommend anything that somebody feels comfortable with because mm -hmm. you, you want to feel comfortable when you're recording. Recording can be um, very undaunting because a lot of people just think, oh, you turn on the tape and there you go. But that's that's really not how recording goes. What you're trying to do is you're trying to capture a moment in time mm -hmm. uh, on yes. tape or on a digital format for that matter. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, whereas Balak sound, it really refers to like dampening and, and huge selection of, of the way that you would compress or you would, dampen down the song to sort of fit it all in to a recording, whereas we've come a long way and things like like what you're talking about are wonderful tools for new up-and-coming people, but they don't, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't stand anywhere close to the, the going into a proper recording studio, which I still recommend. Yes, you're going to pay a lot more money, but you're going to feel like the artist that you are. You're going to look around. You're going to see large, that long board. You're going to see beautiful sound rooms. You're going to see instruments. You're going to see wall treatments. And you're going to see um, isolation booths and stuff like that. And it's just, I think an artist really deserves to have that whole experience as opposed to just sitting in their room or sitting in their house or sitting in their home studio and doing it only with GarageBand. Don't get me wrong, GarageBand is good. I recommend it to people that want to get it. It is one of the better ones out there. But it's really just simplification of being able to do recordings as opposed to going into a recording studio, which is a very complex complex uh, procedure to start with. Understood, yes, absolutely. All right, now we got, we're getting down to the last question of the evening. It's uh, okay. I, I love this question. Up. Okay, what do you want to accomplish in the year 2020? This is a big one because there's a lot of resolutions just around the corner for people, and I want to know what your uh, what you want to accomplish, whether it be one or many. Well, um, first of all, my New Year's resolution for the last many decades has been that I do not make New Year's resolutions. Okay. And I've been really good at keeping it. I've been mm -hmm. really good at keeping it. Uh, for yeah. me, 2020 is going to be a very busy year. Uh, yeah. Between managing a great band, Fingers and Sunshine, working mm -hmm. as an A&R rep for Rock Avenue Records USA out of Los Angeles, 
yeah. working closely as the COO of North America and the secretary director on the board of directors of Bandemonium LLC. And of course, yeah. mastering music projects from around the world. I think I'll accomplish tons this coming year. And I really can't wait because, you know, I just get, for me, I, I live a very strange life. Every day is Monday for me. And people say, well, well, that's crazy. Why wouldn't you pick Friday? Well, for me, it's Monday because Monday is the beginning of the week and you get up and you got lots of things to do. Well, every day is Monday for me because I always have lots of things to do. And I try to get them done in a timely fashion. Um, I I would like to, before we end, um, uh, first of all, I want to thank you so much, Sophia, for for this featured artist spot on your Gypsy Port radio podcast. Yes, Um, thank you. I'd like to give a couple of shout-outs, first to Laura Whelan and Storm, uh, to Marianne Hartman and Louis Espinoza uh, at Rock Avenue Records USA. Uh, you guys all rock. And then, of course, Ron and Dave McKibben and the and Larry and Chris from Fingers and Sunshine. I mean, you know, I could go on all night long just giving shout-outs, but I think the real shout-out needs to go to you because uh, you do such a great job with, with your podcast, and I'm really proud to be a part of it. Oh, I'm very proud to have you as part of my growing GPR family. I mean, the guests that I've had on my show in the last few months have been truly, truly amazing. And um, some folks that have, been, that have been promoting my show on Facebook and various other places on social media has been a joy to watch, as a matter of fact. I, I love the idea that um, people are – I'm bringing people together with my radio show, and, and, it's, and it's definitely bringing some – some joyful aspect in their lives, knowing that there's something different and maybe a little bit uh, unconventional and out of the box. Which really, that was that that's the whole that that was the whole purpose of it. So, um, again, it's it, it's a joy having you on the program, and also our our friendship has grown a lot. And I've been taking a lot of your advice, and and you have proven yourself quite a bit. And and I appreciate that. I appreciate everything that you that you've taught me and that you've told me, because it has manifested and it's and it's come alive. And I've seen, and and also what I've seen in in, uh, in the group pages such as Bandemonium and I think was it Musicians United, and um and, and watching figures in Sunshine grow. Musicians Unified. Unified, yes. Thank you. Musicians Unified. Thank you. And um and and. Like I said, watching your your work with Fingers and Sunshine is is amazing. They they are they're growing, they're expanding, and they're doing so many wonderful things. And um, I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next. And and you've uh, you've really pushed them out there, which is um, amazing, which is truly amazing. And um, among other things, um, there is something that you you did show me. Um, you, you show me the difference in. Um, and, and how something should be heard, and uh, and and that that to me is is a is a really big deal because first of all I'm sensitive to vibration I'm sensitive to sound but I'm also sensitive to lyricism, and that is a very important lesson that I've learned through you so eternally I'm grateful for that, and um, it's 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 an amazing journey to see uh, to to watch you do the things that you do with so many different bands and um and that that in itself is a gift 
So if anything that I'm hoping for myself for 2020, it would be to, to watch you grow and to watch you guide others so I learn from them as well. So truly, I'm enjoying the journey along the way. Well, thank you so much. I mean, what what I do with Vans and with Vandemonium and it's really, it's it's all just musicians helping musicians. I mean, we stand on the shoulder of giants is an old saying. Yeah. And it's, it's really, you know, the, the people that have mentored me uh, throughout my years, and I still have mentors to, to this day, and I still am in touch with some of my mentors from 40 and 30 odd years ago. Uh, like on a weekly basis, even my best friend, I, Z in California, where I just gave a shout out, a second shout out to, uh, we've been friends for, it's going to, it's 50 years this year. And we still speak, um, all the time. And he's, he's in Los Angeles and I'm between Toronto and Phoenix. And, you know, there's something about loyalty and friendship and, and having, uh, you know, I, I I still keep in touch with, I would say, 95% of all the musicians I've ever worked with in my 40-odd years in, in doing what I do. And I and I guess people, we keep in touch because, you know, it's a never-ending journey um, yes. unless you let it end. And yes, I prefer absolutely. not to let it end. I, I, I love the ride. I love riding this wave, and I'm still riding the wave. Now it's I was going to go back to being a, a performing musician, and then the whole Fingers and Sunshine thing came up, and I'm so excited about the prospects of that because, um, you know, we're just about completely loaded up worldwide as far as the the uploads that we did through AMG uh, and the um, um, the Orchard Enterprises, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Sony. Um, so things are things are looking up, and I'm really excited about the future. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Ron. I hope that you all enjoyed the show, and I definitely hope that uh, everybody listening will uh, will tune into this podcast. And thank you so much again, Jukebox, for calling in. And I hope that uh, the, the rest of the shows turn out to be as wonderful as this one. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. And thank you so much, Ron. It, it was a joy uh, no. to have you on program you're more than welcome thank you so much Sophia and thank you to all the people out there listening go and check out jukebox and subscribe on YouTube the jukebox guy is my channel you can find me on Facebook and under jukebox go ahead and put a like there invite all your friends to put a like as well and uh, keep on jamming and keep on playing and just keep that inspiration keep doing the podcast you're doing a wonderful thing for musicians Oh, thank you so much. All right, guys, this is the Gypsy Poet signing off saying adio for now. And thank you again, Ron. You're welcome. Adios. Bye-bye, folks. (laughs) Awesome.